Hello, friends. Welcome to Off the Beaten Podcast. I'm your host with the most lifelong Chicagoan coffee fiend and habitual port sitter, Dion McGill. Off the Beaten Podcast is the pod that gives voice to the city of Chicago and the amazing people who make this city unique. So when I first started this podcast, I envisioned it as a vehicle to talk with the best and brightest folks that Chicago has to offer. I know a lot of cool folks, and I wanted a platform to allow the world, but most importantly, the city, to see the gems that were literally sitting in front of them, you know? Like the diamonds in the rough, I certainly never intended to have an episode where I would be sitting here talking alone. Never even came to mind. But then there were times when I felt the need to offer my opinion, or something like COVID happens, and it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to get people for interviews, and then I did Napod Pomo, and that went okay, and I was able to offer insight about this amazing city from a different perspective, and that was cool. There is so much about this city that can be talked about. It's history, it's culture, of course the people, and it's evolution. And because this podcast was conceived to be a counterpoint to many of the negative narratives you often hear about the city, I don't try too much to dwell on negatives. There's an overabundance of sources for that. But I have to take some time to talk about the shenanigans going on right now in Chicago because as I told a group of youth I was working with last week, solutions often start with conversations. At least through conversation, sometimes you can find some truth or some common ground. Um, I used to say a greater truth, but that always feels too close to Stephen Colbert's truthiness. But we got to talk our problems out. So let's talk about the recent curfew instilled by Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the ongoing tale of two Chicago's. I recently wrote a blog about the events that happened in downtown Chicago on the weekend of May 14th uh, to quote as I wrote them a few days after the events. I've been thinking a lot about the events that took place Saturday in downtown Chicago that resulted in the death of a young man, others injured, and several arrests. After watching the press conference today by the mayor and city leaders on the event, I just wanted to offer a few thoughts. I find it very troubling at the large swaths of people who don't want black youth to be a part of this city. Whether thinly veiled and coded, racist language, or overtly stated, far more than troubling, I find it disgusting. However, it is not new in the tale of two Chicagos. Throughout my life, the city has always signaled that particularly black youth are not welcome downtown. You are too loud, too unruly, and I'd venture to say too unsightly for tourists to have a sanitized Chicago vacation experience. I grew up experiencing that signaling firsthand, and as an adult have also seen firsthand how CPD react and treat black youth who venture downtown in even the smallest of groups. The messaging always feels the same, not welcome. Let's also keep in mind that the city has an ongoing contract with the company C3 Presents for Lollapalooza, where youth, predominantly white, descend upon downtown Chicago and get high and drunk and lay around on the sidewalks, literally, for four days undisturbed. But that's a discussion for another time, of course. This is the tip of an iceberg made up of a litany of problems, including people seeing black youth as nothing more than a threat, a large group of black youth as an untenable threat. And as I've seen on more than one occasion, the police interact with the aforementioned youth aggressively, getting them all riled up, and then you actually do have a problem on your hands. As a friend said in a discussion yesterday, 
these youth aren't fools and they aren't dumb. They see the disparities between their neighborhoods and downtown and can smell the discrimination and racism and they are sick of it. That's why they're descending downtown. They're pushing back at a system that has told them, at least for the entirety of my lifetime, to stay in your neighborhood. And in the biggest inside joke ever, these youth have to hop on the red line to get to the over, overly resourced side of town. For the uninitiated, redlining is a, is a term uh, that describes the illegal discriminatory practice in which a mortgage lender denies loans or an insurance provider restricts services to certain areas of a community, often because of the racial characteristics of the applicant's neighborhood. It was referred to as redlining. And we, and I say we, as I live a half mile from the red line, have to hop the red line to go from underserved and um, neglected communities on the south side to the crown jewel of the city to which black and brown youth are now being denied access. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> As for the press conference following the shooting, I was appalled at the elected and appointed officials who parroted the idea that there are programs for these youth in their communities. It's summer. Who wants to sit on the four or five same blocks? The youth go places, I go places, like the cloud gate, uh, the bean, as a lot of people refer to it, uh, so they can see something different. And I'll be the first one to say, though overpriced, the bean is beautiful. I have spent evenings sitting and look at it for like literally an hour, just, just admiring the lights and the reflection. And of the large number of youth that went downtown on that Saturday, the majority of them was doing exactly what tourists do on any given day, standing around and gawking. The city needs to figure out that the city is for everyone. And rather than trying to divert certain demographics away from the high profile parts of the city, we need to figure out how to provide them open, safe access. No. Youth should not be allowed to damage property or create unsafe conditions for others. Nobody should be able to do that, regardless of who they are. But isn't this where we would uh, insert the few bad apples argument that we always use for the police officers? <laughs> this is another situation in which we should be engaging in conversations, both inside and across communities, with all stakeholders in the discussion. Not to only discuss this isolated incident, but to discuss root causes and solutions, which really means diverting resources from all those beautiful tulips that blanket downtown right now to neighborhoods that don't even have a basketball court or a grocery store or a community center or a YMCA with actual hours that are useful to today's youth. Side note. I'm a middle-aged man, but a community center that closes before 11 p.m. Friday to Saturday and got shit to offer me. I like to get my workings in at night. <sighs> Jesus. Finally, <laughs> I am so glad that at least Mayor Lightfoot realizes that lock them up and throw away the key, as so many people seem to want to do, is not the answer to this problem. I also bite my thumb at those people who think it is. You are gross. Ah, bite my thumb. At the press conference, the city talked about their ongoing summer kickback series they started last year for youth. Upon looking at the location list, it's all in the places where the youth live. Hey, Mayor Lightfoot, I have a great idea. How about you schedule at least a few of those kickbacks in places like Grand Park and along the lakefront and Navy Pier? 
prep for a large turnout and train your officers, the ones you know needed, how to actually chat up and engage with the youth to help them through the etiquette of places where some of the youth in the city have actually never been, are going for the first time, are you know a little fired up, a little excited, trying to impress each other, and for which they deserve to have the access like any other Chicagoan. Just my two cents, end quote. <sighs> Now, coincidentally, I wrote that shortly before Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced her curfews and note, uh, they're not curfews, they're some other term the city wants to use when they're trying their word magic, but I'm gonna use the word curfew. And the curfews that she announced, first changing the citywide curfew for minors from 11 p.m. to 10 p.m. and then banning unaccompanied minors from Millennium Park after 6 p.m. Thursday through Sunday. Now, here's the kicker. The exact same youth I mentioned in my blog as a counterpoint are the youth who are exempt from the Millennium Park ban. If you can afford a $125 one-day general admission ticket and are under 18, you can totally hang out downtown after 11 p.m. or 10 p.m. now. However, if you can't, you are banned from the area starting at 6 p.m. this weekend. What? In the real fuck. Uh, as a side note, side note, uh, four-day general admission tickets to Lollapalooza start at $350. I work a full-time job and I ain't got $350 to just drop a Lollapalooza tickets and can range up to $4,200. Holy shit, who's going to Lollapalooza for $4,200 and can I be your date? Anyway, um, while I wouldn't attend Lollapalooza, I have never, um, I have worked the event as part of the bar staff, and I can tell you firsthand the shit show that event brings to downtown Chicago. But let's be real, it's mostly suburban white kids, and, and they're totally okay as long as they bring their parents' money with them. I wish Lollapalooza did, somehow they could keep demographics and actually release that information so we could play, you know, look at the data and play with the numbers or whatever it is we want to do. How awesome would that be? I digress. Um, if that banning, though, isn't discriminatory to youth who can't afford that big ticket, I don't know what it, what it is. Also, please let me send a shout out to Alderman Andre Vasquez, who has offered some amazing thoughts on this issue on his Twitter. I don't know everything about Alderman Vasquez, but I at least know that he understands that telling black and brown kids to stay the hell out of downtown isn't the solution. It further alienates, dehumanizes, and batters them down. And if nothing else, it'll raise their desire to go downtown simply because you're telling them they can't. And as a final note, for years, I have joked that I need a job. Okay, listen, listen, bear with me here. I need a job working for the mayor. I don't even need an office, just a cubicle on the fifth floor somewhere, right, in City Hall. And I'm not greedy. I only need to get paid 100K. That's my goal in life from this point forward. I want to get, I want to make six figures to show my mom. Okay, and my job title would be Community Relations Quality Assurance, right? Um, that's vague enough. Okay. My job would be to go over communications of any kind to come out of the mayor's office. And when I see something for Gazy, simply say, who thought this was a good idea? And then tell them to take it back to the table and come up with a better idea. For example, the mayor is going to institute two variations of new or increased curfews to defuse violence in the city. Looking particularly at the Millennium Park curfew, I would have said, who thought this was a good idea? Because I don't know a lot. 
but I'm pretty sure within 60 minutes, I can find you a smattering of academic articles that'll tell you that curfews don't have significant impacts on violence and considering previous moves like raising the bridges and all the other stuff you guys did before I got here, which also wouldn't have happened on my watch if I were in this position, this ain't gonna be a good look. To quote an article from the Marshall Project, a voluminous body of research has cast strong doubts on the claims that juvenile curfew laws prevent victimization or reduce juvenile crime. But these findings have received scant attention from policymakers or police. Of course they have. To go on, a systematic review of research literature on juvenile curfew programs was published in 2016 by the Campbell Collaboration, a nonprofit that synthesizes research studies for policymakers. Campbell examined over 7,000 studies on juvenile curfews and synthesized the 12 most rigorous studies. The report, I will include a link to the report down in the episode notes, stated that evidence suggests that juvenile curfews are ineffective at reducing crime and victimization. The average effect on juvenile crime during curfew hours was slightly positive, that is, a slight increase in crime, and close to zero for crime during all hours. Similarly, juvenile victimization also appeared unaffected by the imposition of a curfew ordinance. Um, I will put a link to this Marshall Project article and I encourage you to go digging in the stacks for yourself. Please, on these topics, do not take my word for shit. Go to your own research and please send me stuff. Tell me like, hey, here's something to the to the contrary. But what about this? Right. We need people to be thinking and having these discussions. But this is not the first time that I've read that research has shown that juvenile curfews are likely not extremely effective in curbing violence. Right. Also, right. These curfews are simply another excuse for Chicago police officers to engage with youth in something that looks similar to stop and frisk and we all know that that's ineffective and the effects it has on communities and it further alienates cpd and the city from the communities for which they're supposed to be serving hmm. so why didn't someone on the mayor's staff say that and why didn't she say oh well damn hmm what other options are on the table and have a brainstorming session to actually come up with a series of actions that may help the city at this, at this point in time See, if I had been on her team, 100K, I come cheap, I could have made could have made it all happen. I could have said, no, people, this ain't it. Go back in that little meeting room. I'll be in there in 10 minutes. Make sure we have a whiteboard and a large array of expo markers. We got some work to do. Imagine all the people, yes, doing shit for the right reasons. Y'all got me singing up in here. Jesus, badly at that. Um, <laughs> so here we are. Another ineffective decree from the top of the mountain that furthers the tale of the two Chicagos. Black youth are reminded that they're not wanted outside of their neighborhoods. White suburban youth get the early wink that their money is more than welcome. Curfew be damned. And we, in the midst of it all, we haven't impacted the violence numbers in the city one lick. Damn, let me tell you, it takes a lot of hard goddamn work to work that hard and not do shit. Quote me on that. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 
as always, for everything that I mentioned and all the everything I talked about, be sure to go check out the episode notes, right? If you don't have episode notes on the app that you're listening on, please go to my website at www.offthebeatenpodcast.com. And, you know, yeah. Do your own homework, baby. Yeah, homework assignments, right? Look, look this stuff up. Are curfews effective, right? What happened when other cities have instituted them and then looked at them long term? What were the effects? Okay. I appreciate you all for listening. Uh, please take a moment to give this podcast a rate and review on your app. It helps the podcast and all the algorithms and genuinely helps others find it. Please, if you're if you're so inclined, share this podcast with someone who lives in Chicago, someone who's talking about Chicago, right? They got Chicago in their mouth. They got it on their tongue. Send this to them. Please, somebody send this to Greg Abbott. I would love, I would love for him to listen <laughs> so he can get something in that brain of his. Okay. Yes, that's it, man. Other than that, appreciate you all. Be good. Do good, and I'll see you next time. Peace.